0: Let's pray and ask God to help us understand his word. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you because you have given us in Paul's letter your own breathed-out word. We thank you that this letter is able to prepare us for the day when we meet with the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we may act on what we hear from your word today, put it into practice in our lives, and so be ready for the Lord Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. I remember the first time that my mum and dad left me at home on my own when they went away. A number of my so-called friends came over. They had a so-called party and they trashed the place. They made a terrible, terrible mess. I remember when my mum and dad were going to be coming home having to prepare for their return. I don't think I've ever cleaned as much, either before or since, and I say that with four children. I had to go from one end of the house to the other, uh, picking up cigarettes and food, cleaning stains, replacing stuff that was broken. It was an absolute nightmare, a lesson well learned. They never came over again with my parents absent. Have you ever had something like that uh, happen to you? Perhaps you weren't as wayward as me, but maybe you had mum and dad coming home and uh, you had to clean up or maybe I'm sure this is your experience, some, just you've got visitors coming over and uh, you need to get the place clean, you need to prepare, get ready. I know as a minister, when I come to visit, some people think they need to prepare, uh, they clean up the house, bake me a nice cake, I'm all for that, I've got to say. Um, they uh, take the TV guide off the lounge room and put a big black Bible there instead. Uh, I know your tricks, don't, uh, don't think I don't know. <laughs> They feel they need to be ready for my visit. You know the experience I'm talking about, don't you? Someone's coming to visit, you need to get your house in order. Well, in the last couple of chapters of 2 Corinthians, Paul is telling the Corinthians that he's coming for a visit. And he's writing to encourage them to get their house in order, so to speak. Paul wants the Corinthians to prepare for his visit, by making sure that they are living in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we're going to see in a moment, this will be Paul's third visit to Corinth. Now, his first visit, you may remember, uh, that was five years before. And on that visit, he told the, the, the Corinthians the message about the Lord Jesus Christ. He planted the church. That was visit number one. Visit number two, though, was a bit of a disaster. It's about a year before this letter, and... Um, Paul goes to Corinth and there's a serious case, perhaps of sexual immorality or something like that, but there's a serious case of immorality going on in the church. Paul tries to deal with it with church discipline and he doesn't get the support of the church. He's really worried about it and he he has to leave. He leaves, I guess, in disgust from the church. It's been a painful visit. But now, as we've seen in 2 Corinthians, the matter has been dealt with. Paul was going to go and visit again to sort it out, but he decided instead that he'd send his friend Titus with a severe letter. Titus came with the letter and then he's come back to Paul in Macedonia and he's told them that the Corinthians have acted on the letter. They disciplined the immoral man and they reaffirmed their loyalty to Paul. But Titus has also told Paul about a few problems in Corinth and we've seen uh, some of those problems through the letter. They were tolerating false teachers. They hadn't fulfilled the pledge that they made about the collection for, uh, for Jerusalem. A few problems that were going on. And one other problem that we're going to see today was still immorality in the church. And so Paul writes this last section of the letter to get them to prepare for his third visit, to to get their house in order. Well, let's have a look. Chapter 12 and verse 14, Paul tells them that he's coming. And he, he starts off by talking about the financial arrangements. He says he's not going to be charging them anything. The same as in the previous two visits, he won't ask them for money. Because Paul says... He says, I'm not interested in your money, I'm interested in you. I want your loyalty, your love, not your money. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14. Now, I'm ready to visit you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you, because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? And be that as it may, I have not been a burden to you. And Paul then picks up an accusation that's being made against him. Some people in Corinth, maybe it's the false teachers, they say, well, well Paul has been ripping you off. He, he may not be getting money from you directly, but the, he's using tricky ways to get money from you, maybe by, by the people that he's sending you or something like that. Paul quotes the accusation in verse 16. Now, the NIV doesn't do it, but I think this bit ought to have quotation marks. I think Paul's quoting what other people are saying about him. I think that's what makes best sense of this sentence. So halfway through verse 16, yet, and I think in quotes, crafty fellow that I am, I, quote, caught you by trickery. Now, that's the accusation, but Paul deals with it. And he says, I didn't ask you for money, and none of the people I sent you ripped you off either. Verse 17. Verse 17. Did I exploit you through any of the men I sent you? I urged Titus to go to you and I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did we not act in the same spirit and follow the same course? Paul's clear about it. He's like their dad. He doesn't need to be paid for by them. He's not going to charge the Corinthians for their services. He serves them for free because he, he doesn't want their money. He wants them for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, all this talk about money gets Paul thinking about the, um, the super-apostles, the false teachers again, and the way they've been ripping the Corinthians off. And, and he, he addresses this issue of, of how he's been defending himself, how he's been uh, comparing himself with the false teachers over the last couple of chapters. And he talks about his motive. He says, look, I haven't been doing this to defend myself, to make myself look good. I've been doing it because I, I want you strengthened in Christ. I don't want you going off uh, away from the Lord Jesus. And so verse 19. Have you been thinking all along that we've been defending ourselves to you? We've been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. Paul wants the Corinthians sticking with the original message about Jesus. He wants them strengthened because because he's worried. He's worried about them being led astray by false teachers, as we've seen. But now we, see, now we see that Paul is also worried about their behaviour. For Paul, the behaviour of the Corinthian Christians mattered. It wasn't good enough for them to rely on Jesus, but then go on living immoral lives. You can't rely on the true Jesus and do that kind of thing. The true Jesus is the Lord Jesus. You rely on him as your boss. If you rely on him then, you need to live in obedience to him. The true Jesus, the Jesus who is Lord, demands changed behaviour from those who rely on him. But Paul is worried that the Corinthians, when he comes, that they won't be living with changed behaviour. They won't be living with Jesus as Lord. And he raises a couple of issues in particular that he's worried about. He's worried they'll be divided and he's worried about sexual immorality. And so Paul is concerned that that his third visit is going to be a bit like the second visit. It's going to be another unpleasant, painful visit, both for him and for them. Verse 20. For I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you and I'll be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin and debauchery in which they have indulged. Paul's worried that these Corinthians won't be living in obedience to Jesus. But he says on my third visit, I'm not going to hold back. It's not going to be like the second visit where I just sort of went away quietly. He says... If I have to, I will deal with the immorality in the church. I will set up appropriate procedures of evidence and I will deal with it. Chapter 13, verse 1. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me. And Paul then says, don't be fooled by my apparent weakness. Don't be fooled by the way I've been so gentle with you in the past. He says, I'm a little bit like Jesus. Jesus may have seemed weak on that cross, but he powerfully conquered death. So too I might seem weak, says Paul, but if you don't get your house in order, well, I'll be as strong as I need to be. Halfway through verse 3, he, that's Christ, is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power we will live with him to serve you. Paul calls on the Corinthians then to examine themselves, to see if they are fair income Christians. Because if they are, he says, they will know that he is a fair income apostle. Remember the connection. Paul is the one who brought the gospel to the Corinthians in the first place. And so if they are serious Christians, if they have the Lord Jesus in them, then he must be a true apostle. He must have passed the test if they do. Verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you'll discover that we have not failed the test. If these Corinthians are true Christians, if they have the Lord Jesus in them, then that means Paul is a true apostle. And that means when he comes to visit, they need to get their house in order. They need to be living in obedience to the Lord Jesus. And so Paul prays for the Corinthians. He prays that they they will get their house in order. He prays that they will live in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, not because it's going to make him look good, but because it's what the truth demands. It's what the true Lord, the the true Jesus, the Lord Jesus, it's what he demands. He demands changed lives. Verse 7. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Not that people will see that we've stood the test, but that you'll do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We're glad whenever we are weak that you are strong. And our prayer is for your perfection. And then Paul gives away why he's writing the letter. It's so they'll sort out all their problems before he comes. He's like, uh, he's like uh, the parents who, who ring a couple of days in advance so that their wayward son has a chance to clean up. Uh, Paul wants his third visit to be an encouraging visit. I- I- encouraging for the Corinthians as they uh, don't have to face his discipline and encouraging for him as he comes and sees them living in in obedience to the Lord Jesus. He won't have to be harsh with them. And so he's, he's sending this letter to give them the chance to fix the place up, get the house in order before he arrives. Make it a happy visit. Verse 10. This is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. All right. Uh, can, can you see then what this little section of 2 Corinthians is about? Paul is preparing the Corinthians for his third visit. He says he won't be charging them when he comes because he wants their love and loyalty, not their money. He says he wants them to get their act together, live in obedience to Jesus, sort out their issues before he comes. Get the TV guide off the table, put the Bible down, get it sorted out. That way, when he comes, he won't have to be tough on them. He says he'll be tough if he needs to be, but it'd be much better if the Corinthians just obeyed the letter, and that way, when he comes, his third visit can be a happy one. Okay, now, um, obviously, Paul is not going to be visiting us for a third time. This church has been around for a while, but I'm not aware that Paul ever visited Chatswood Presbyterian. I suspect not. So, so, so how then can we apply uh, what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians in this section to ourselves? W- what does it mean for us here in Chatswood? Well, Paul may not be visiting, and the issues that he's raised for the Corinthians, they may not be exactly the same issues that we are facing. Uh, but by God's grace, we do have Paul's letter. And so we can see the kinds of things that we'd need to do if we were expecting a visit from Paul. We can see the kinds of things that we would need to do to have our house in order, prepared, ready for the Apostle. And of course, of course there is a sense in which we are expecting a visit here at Chatswood Presbyterian, aren't we? Now, not from the Apostle Paul but from the Lord Jesus himself. The day will soon come when Jesus will visit us. Either that or we'll be visiting him. One way or another, we will soon be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and we do need to have our house in order. Much better then to read and obey Paul's letter and be ready... Than to have the visitor not be ready don't you think this letter can show us the sorts of things that we need to be ready ready to face the Lord Jesus ready to make his visit or our visit a happy one not a tough one so so let's spend a bit of time then thinking about the issues that are raised in this little section and I think the issues are particularly isolated down there to chapter 12 verses 20 to 21 that's that's really the issues that Paul was worried about, the issues that the Corinthians were facing, let's spend some time asking ourselves if we have our house in order on these issues, if we are ready for a visit. So first, are we a church which has, as it says in chapter 12, verse 20, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance and disorder. Are we a divided church? Is this something that we would be ashamed of if Paul or Jesus came to visit? What do you think? I have to say, I'm not aware of too much of this sort of stuff happening here. It seems to me that we are a reasonably harmonious bunch. Now, maybe that's partly because we, we keep our distance from each other. I mean, these sorts of things happen more and more when people are interacting closely day by day. I don't say that as a good thing. It's just the way we relate. It's just a fact. Most of us are pretty busy with our own lives. We don't have much time to, to, to bother fighting with each other, I guess. We're too busy chasing our own lives around. Anyway, I think we are reasonably harmonious. The thing is we do need to be very careful because it's very easy to wreck a church with, with divisions, with gossip, with factions. And I reckon that there's a... A classic thing that can happen that is very, very dangerous. Let me explain it to you. Have you ever heard of the Bermuda Triangle? Uh, the Bermuda Tri- I don't know a lot about it, but it's apparently it's a place where ships keep disappearing. Ships keep sinking. I reckon there is a triangle that can easily sink a church. A triangle that can easily sink relationships. It works like this. It works like this. I have a problem with, with say, Warren. I'm angry about something Warren's done. It's not true. Okay, it's just a hypothetical situation. All right? it's nothing to do with the fact that he's abandoning me and leaving me over Christmas while he goes off flaunting <laughs> around in America or anything like. That. No problem at all between us. <laughs> I have a problem with, say, James. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> I'm angry about something he's done. But for whatever reason, I don't talk to James about it. Okay, instead, what I do is uh, I-, I talk to Steve about James. Can you see the triangle that I've created? Instead of dealing on the straight line with James, I've now triangulated it back. James to me and now back via Steve, I've created this this Bermuda Triangle. Danger, 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 as Steve Irwin would have said. It's a Bermuda Triangle. It's a triangle that could sink our relationships. It's a triangle that can sink a church. If you've got a problem with someone... You need to have the courtesy and the guts to talk to them about it. Don't gossip about them. Take it up with them. Avoid the Bermuda Triangle. And if someone tries to bring you into a Bermuda Triangle, if they start talking to you about a problem they've got with someone else, what you do is very simple. You say, talk to them about it. Step out of the triangle. If you have to, say, I will bring you so you can talk to them about it. But step out of the triangle. Now, for my part, I hope, I hope I'm fairly approachable. I hope you feel you can come and talk to me if I've done something you're unhappy with. But I tell you what, I won't play triangle games. If someone comes to me with a complaint from someone else, particularly if it's an anonymous complaint from someone else, I don't want to know. Not interested. If the person will not come and deal with me personally, it won't be dealt with at all. I won't play triangle games. Do you see the point? Don't do the Bermuda Triangle thing. If you've got a problem with someone, deal with them in the straight line, direct. That way we will avoid the gossip, the slander, the factions, the, all these sorts of things that the Corinthians were having trouble with. That's the first issue. The Corinthians were facing divisions. The uh, second question I want to ask is this. Are we a church of impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery? like Paul feared the Corinthians were in chapter 12, verse 21. What do you think about that one? Now again, I'm not aware of any public scandalous sin, um, sexual sin among us at the moment, although I did once hear a story about a church that's made me wonder. Uh, A minister heard about a man in the church who was having an affair. And the day that he heard about this particular day, was a day where they were supposed to have the Lord's Supper. And the bloke was there in church, bold as brass. The minister didn't want to identify the man, and he didn't want to personally refuse him the Lord's Supper. And so what he did, he made a general announcement. He said, there's a man in this church here today who's having an affair. I don't want to name him, but I don't want unrepentant sinners sharing in the Lord's Supper. And so for today, I'm cancelling the Lord's Supper. Apparently that week, the minister had four calls from different men in the church saying, how did you know? <clears throat> I don't know of any public sexual sin here at Chatswood. I'm not planning on cancelling the Lord's Supper to find out. But I do know that we live in a profoundly sexualised culture. I do know that uh, it's everywhere. The TV, billboards, the size of buses, it's on your computer. I, I do know that things like pornography, are available in unprecedented ways and I know it's a big problem, especially for the blokes. So let me ask you, are you ready for a visit? If Paul showed up, would you be ready? If Jesus showed up, do you mind showing him the history on your hard disk? Is your house in order on this matter? As a bloke, I think the biggest pornography dangers are the internet, Foxtel, and late-night TV. And so can I say to you blokes, if you're struggling, you need to do what Jesus said. You need to, uh, you, know, you know, he says, if your eye causes you to sin, rip it out. Okay, I don't, let's not do that literally. But what he means is get rid of the temptation if it is there. Get rid of the internet from your home computer if it's a problem. It is perfectly possible to live without it. People have done it for thousands of years. Cancel the Foxtel subscription. It's actually possible to live without it. Make sure you head off to bed at 10 o'clock at night. Turn off the TV. Get a book. Be accountable to a mate about this. Be accountable to your wife about this. It's more important that you be sexually holy than that you have access to internet and Foxtel or all the other junk. I'm not quite sure how all this works for women, Probably if I knew what caused sexual temptation for women, I could make a million bucks. But, but ladies, ladies, I hope that your house is in order on this matter as well. I hope that uh, if you are forming inappropriate attachments, if, uh, if you are finding inappropriate attractions, that you cut them off. I hope that you are working hard on dealing with the slob that you're living with and loving and respecting him. If something is causing you sexual temptation, you've got to get rid of it from your life. Remember, the Jesus that we are trusting in is the Lord Jesus. We need to be living in obedience to him. And he's perfectly clear about what sexuality he wants from our lives. He says sex is only for a man and a woman who are married to each other. Impurity, sexual sin and debauchery should have no place in our lives. So whatever is causing the temptation, we've got to get rid of it. Prepared for his visit. Okay, well let's conclude. Uh, Paul wrote his letter to help the Corinthians to be ready for his visit, like a like a parent warning his children that he's coming home so they get the house in order. By God's grace, we've got Paul's letter. And so, like the Corinthians, we need to use this letter to be ready. We need to put aside divisions and gossip. Deal with each other on the straight line. We need to avoid sexual immorality. We need to have our house in order, ready for the visit that we long for. The return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank and praise you that the Lord Jesus Christ has died on the cross and risen again so that we can be forgiven for everything that is wrong in our lives. But we remember that he is our Lord Jesus Christ and that we need to repent and to live in line with what the Lord Jesus says. And so we commit ourselves to you, Father, and we commit particularly these issues of of division and gossip and, and of sexual immorality to you. We pray for ourselves that you help us to be people who are full of integrity, of wisdom, of kindness. We pray that we might live in harmony with each other. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we might be people who are pure and blameless in our sexuality. Please, we pray, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit within us, empower us to live this way. For we ask it in your name. Amen.